doing Romans 7. First thing I want to say about Romans 7 is just, it is autobiographical. And not every teacher is going to teach that. Uh, to me, that makes it even stronger that the man who alone was called out to minister to the Gentiles wrote Romans 7. And we should take heed according to what he had to say, that it should strengthen us. This, this word uh, gives us uh, in all ways, when we read it, gives us strength and our hope for eternity. And our hope is in God. And the Father, uh, we know, believe that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. And he is the answer for all men if they would only believe and follow him. Mm -hmm. I we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Romans 7. Definition of autobiographical. Please. Yeah. Means he wrote it. He wrote it about himself. In other words, it's his testimony about uh, what the law would do to him if he kept it, if he looked after it, if he if he minded the law. Uh, he, he says the law uh, slew me. The law destroyed me uh, until he found out that the law could not be mixed with grace. Okay? No, you're not, brother. For I speak to them that know the law. And we probably can't believe it, but uh, there are a number of people today who don't know the law. And the law, knowing the law is not necessary for salvation. There's a person who is Jesus Christ who must be, you must join with uh, to be born again of the Holy Spirit and to have the Spirit of Christ living your life. Uh, that is the, the only differentiation between those who are lost and those who are not. The law has nothing to do with it. But Paul knew that a number of people uh, maintained their Christianity. And you've got to understand that for several years, uh, and I like to think that God uh, gave, gave the people, the Jews, uh, a time to adjust to the idea of faith without works uh, and uh, the, that faith only in Christ 
was saving. And I think that God shut that door when he had the temple destroyed. 70 AD, and the Jews no longer could practice their religion uh, because there wasn't a temple. And it's the same today. And let there be no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Even an Orthodox Jew today that, that believes uh, in God and believes in the Old Testament, um, except they trust Christ and become saved, they will be assigned uh, to hell forever. So don't you think that uh, being an Orthodox Jew or being a Jew in good standing uh, makes faith void? Uh, so that's a lot of people. We know the Lord is going to work a work at the end of, through the tribulation and at the end of tribulation. See, it's, if you turn to the book of Zechariah, you will read that the people of Israel with one accord will look at the one whom they pierced and they'll wail and they'll weep that they, they have crucified their savior, but they will believe and therefore the Jews will be our brethren uh, in eternity as long as well as those, of course, like us who trust in Christ uh, and we never had the law. Uh, so he's speaking to them that know the law. How that the law, and this is important, this is one of the most important points about the law. How that the law had dominion over a man. That, mean, that means it's, it's if a man takes up the law, uh, it, it is going to have dominion over him and going to do the work that law does in the flesh uh, that, um, that the law becomes uh, counterproductive to the, to the Christian or to anyone who takes it up. Now, why do I say that? I say that because it's one thing that we never were Jews, but there's been a lot of people who weren't Jews who took the law. In fact, almost the whole church of Jesus Christ's day acts like the law were, was still governing their lives that have had an important place in their life. And those people also are included into them that know the law. And so it makes it doubly hard for a Christian because he thinks the law must 
must be as it was to the early Jews, uh, the standard of, of their walk. But uh, many prophets of God told us in the middle of the legal dispensation that the law was not going to save anyone. David said that, uh, others before him. And so the law has dominion over anybody who's taken it up as over a man as long as he lives. So the only way to get out from under the law is to die. Now, um, Christ worked that out for us because he himself took upon himself uh, us and counted us, those of us who believe in Jesus Christ, to be dead. And so another place it says, now we all know that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. And we say, oh, uh, we've got to die to get off under that. But you don't want to die physically believing in the law because you will be condemned by it. But if you are dead in Christ and you believe that, then the law has nothing to do with you. So we're, we're all clear, I hope, on that. If I, if, if you're confused about that, raise your hand and we'll talk about it. And then uh, Paul tells us a little story. Uh, about a fictitious woman and, and a man. It says, for the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he is alive. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law. Now there's a little play on words here and that the woman's husband uh, dies, and therefore she's not under that law to her husband anymore. Uh, and by the way, uh, it would it would say something to us about about marriage also. But that's another subject. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another, she be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is freed from the law. So she is no adulteress, though she be married to another. Now the plan words here is that the lady's husband died. But the fact is, the law didn't die. Uh, it's still with us forever. But the lady, the lady's husband died. 
And the switch is, is that then the truth is that you and I died. And so it doesn't say if a lady dies, but it may as well, because it says, therefore, my brethren, are ye also become dead to the law by the body of Christ. And that releases you that you are dead from the marriage vow. Does everybody see where that makes a switch? Okay. Wherefore, my brethren, ye are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. In other words, if we were, uh, if we, if Christ died and we were in Christ, uh, him knowing, of course, ahead of time, who would be in him, uh, we died with him. And therefore, we are free from the law, even though, and don't let it ever be said that we believe that the law is not in effect. Jesus made it very clear that not one child or not one tittle of the law would ever pass away. But the thing is that if you be Christ, you were dead. And you only need to look at Romans 6, one chapter over to know that, uh, because it says, likewise, reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God um, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the law didn't go away. Uh, we, we haven't uh, made the law without effect. Uh, on Judgment Day, uh, the Jews that come up without salvation before Christ will be judged according to the law. Uh, the people who were without Christ, without the law, will be judged according to their conscience. And they will both be judged. There's a difference between sin, which is the transgression of the law, and iniquity, which abides in every man's heart, which is basically rebellion against God. All right. Let me read it one more time. Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law. We are dead to the law. The law hasn't gone anywhere, but we are dead. Uh, and Romans 6 goes on about, uh, about the, the ramifications. We are made free. Free from what? Free from the law. And we are also made free from the law of iniquity because we have a new life which has no iniquity in it. And the new life is Jesus Christ and he, he is without iniquity. For when, verse five, we were in the flesh. Now, in the flesh means that 
we were not in the spirit. <laughs> All right, you're either in the flesh or in the spirit. And when we receive Christ, as the scripture says, as many of you as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. And so we are all dead. And therefore, the law has nothing to do with us. Uh, and verse 5 tells us that the motions of sin, that in other words, the temptations and the, the uh, lusts that spring up because people are trying to keep the law. See, people that try to keep the law, they think that that will help them, but it doesn't help them. It makes them tempted more than they would have been. For when we were in the flesh, that is, we were not in Christ, uh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. It's very clear. But we are, listen to this, delivered from the law, that being dead, wherein we were held, that we should serve as, new, as Christians, as new creatures, that we should serve in newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Some of you may remember that Corinthians, 1 Corinthians tells us that uh, the letter of the law kills. Uh, we should remember that because it does. I, I have nothing to do with the law. I know it's good, but I live by faith in Jesus Christ. That's why chapter six says, reckon ye yourselves dead indeed unto sin. Why? Because I died in Christ. But we're delivered from the law that being dead wherein we were held, we should serve in the newness of the spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. All right. The letter of the law kills. That's not me saying that. The scripture says that. What shall we say then is the law sin? No. God forbid, I had not known sin, nay, I had not known sin, but by the law, but I had not known lust, except the law has said, thou shalt not covet. Now, Paul's about to get into an area here where for the Jews, those people uh, that were under the law, uh, learn about sin 
as Old Testament people learned about sin from the law, and the law has one purpose. Now, this is what the Bible says. The law makes sin exceedingly sinful. So the law makes sin look really bad. But it doesn't help us to keep it. We, we need something else. We need a new life. And we get that from Jesus Christ. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid, nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. Except the Lord said, thou shalt not covet. Now you need to remember he is speaking to those who are under the law. He is not speaking if you never knew anything about it. Uh, but sin, listen to, listen to this, sin taking occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. In other words, all manner of sin came because it took occasion by the commandment that I was trying to keep. Our flesh is so bad that if we try to restrain it by the law, the law does not restrain it, but the law makes it look more uh, uh, palatable. All right. I was alive, Paul says, without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Now, I'll give them my personal interpretation of this, and maybe it's right, maybe it's not. But when Paul says, I was alive without the commandment once, he is saying that when I was first a Christian, and I was so happy about being born again and saved uh, through the uh, faith in Jesus Christ, that I was absolutely alive. But I began to think about the law and what happened. But when the commandment came, sin revived. And so Paul found out that though the law was supposed to be good and good for him, he thought it wasn't the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law was so that he would know that sin was a really a lot worse than we think. So when the commandment came, sin revived. What happened to Paul? Uh, according to this testimony, he died. He wasn't alive in Christ anymore. He was bound by the law that he was going to let into his life. And the commandment, which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. That's fairly self-explanatory. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment deceived me. I thought it would help me, but it didn't. It deceived me. And it slew me. It means it brought him down into death. 
it made it made the cross of Christ of none effect because he was not looking to Christ, he was looking at the law. Wherefore the law is holy. Yes, it is. Always will be there. The law and the commandment is holy and just and good. Don't let anybody say that I preach that the law is not good and that the law is going away. It's not going away. The only way you're going to get out from under it is you're going to have to die in Christ. And to do that, you say, dear Lord, I give my life to you. And you are my life. And I will depend only on you. All right. Look. Jesus Christ is God's only son. He put him on this earth to do what? I hear, I hear preachers preaching out of the Gospels, preaching out of the New Testament, and marveling at how Christ was so good, and that he kept the law, and so on. And he did. He didn't break one commandment, but it it didn't change anything because he was righteous within himself. But uh, he was justified before God because he's of his own righteousness. You and I can't do that. We are going to be righteous before God because we abide by what Paul said about Christ in Romans chapter 3. I'm going to turn back 3 verse 21. And if you missed this, we weren't here when we talked about this. Listen to this. First off, he says, now I'll start verse 19 in Romans chapter three. Now we know that what things, soever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, and that every mouth may be stopped and the world may become guilty before God. That's what the law does. It makes you guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is a knowledge of sin. See that? Then he says this, but now, something's changed. But now, but now, the righteousness of God, how? Without law is manifested. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So to be righteous before God, it's without the law, but it is because we're in Jesus Christ and we have for ourselves 
the gift of his righteousness. Even the righteousness of God is by faith of Jesus Christ uh, to all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. <laughs> Being justified freely, that means means accounted as righteous, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Right. I forget exactly where it was in chapter 7. I think it was in verse 13. Um, what then? So now Paul's going to ask, what's What's the problem of the law? Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. Well, didn't cause you to be lost. The law simply was there to judge you when you met God. But now that which is made death unto me God forbid that it was, but sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. See the purpose of the law? It's the only purpose there is. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. That means fleshly. You cannot mix the law with the flesh because the minute you mix law with trying to do the right thing or the flesh, what I can do, what I can will to do uh, does not help us because the law doesn't have that purpose. Why? Because I am carnal but I am not carnal after I've received Jesus Christ and walk in the power of his spirit. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Now, what is next in Romans 7? You need to listen to very carefully so you understand exactly what Paul is saying. For that, oh, by the way, the Pharisees were alive and ruling as far as righteousness during the time of Jesus. What did, and the, nobody kept the law like the Pharisees. That's what you did if you were going to be a Pharisee. And the people looked up to the Pharisees. Jesus said this, except it's in the Sermon on the Mount, that'd be in Matthew chapter uh, six, right? Uh, Paul said, if you're righteousness, 
does not exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you in no way will receive the kingdom of heaven. So Christ said it. Uh, Paul says it very clearly. And so Paul then goes on and, and doubles down on what he said before. For that which I do, I allow not. In other words, what, what when I am walking according to my will, what I mean, friends, is that you never say, I won't, I won't commit adultery. I won't do that sin. I won't, I'll set my will against it. I won't. No, Christ never had to say, I won't. Christ was righteous and you are given his righteousness. So it remains only for you to live. And if you live by faith in Christ, you will do righteousness because it is the natural thing for the spirit to do. And the spirit never sins. For which I do, it's like he's saying, I try not to do. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would... In other words, what I would do, that, which is keep the law, he says, that do I not, but what I hate, which is sin, that do I. That's what Paul found when he tried to keep the law after he was a Christian. If then... I do that which is, pardon me, if then I do that which I would not, I consent to the law that is good. Yeah, well, law's good. Won't help you keep, keep the commandments, won't help you stay out of sin, but the law tells you what sin is. But if you live by it, it will kill you. Now then, it is no more I. And now in this section of scripture, Paul is comparing Paul living by the flesh and Paul living by the spirit. And now he's going to say what he found when he tried to live by the flesh. Now then, it is no more I, because who you are, if you are in Jesus Christ, is you are free from the law. So he says, if I sin, it's from the flesh. And I'm here to tell you that Christ has made a provision that you be free from the flesh. What is it? It is to recognize and count yourself dead to sin, but alive to the Lord Jesus Christ. Are those words words that I said? No, those, those are what is said in Romans 6, uh, 
for example, verse 11, reckon ye yourselves dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. You also got one if you're hearing me tonight, but you do not walk in the flesh. You do not walk according to the goodness that you can gin up in your body that you should obey the lust therein. Now, Paul says, if then I do that which I would not, I could set to the law that it's good. Yeah, it showed me what was wrong. Now then, it is no more I that do it, because I am a new man in Christ. It's not him that's doing the sin but sin that dwelleth in me. And where does he dwell? He dwells in the flesh. When you get rid of this body, my friend, when you pass on to be with the Lord, you get a new body. I'm looking forward to that. For now, dwelling in my body, if I would depend on it, my mind, in my head is sin. I'm not, what do you think you're going to die? What do you think all men die? They die because of sin. And so the sense of death is on my body, but the sense of life is on my spirit. The sentence of life is on my soul and I will get a new body. And the body talks about that. Uh, if I uh, would turn over, and just to give you a, uh, a foretaste of what is coming uh, in chapter 8, verse 5 starts out with this. They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit do mind the things of the spirit for to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is the enemy against god it is not subject to the law of god you think it is but it's not neither indeed can be so they that are in the flesh cannot please god and it goes on about that. Um, and we'll get to that next week. Romans 6, 7, and 8 must be taken together to understand fully this subject. So Paul says, I don't sin. It's sin that dwells in me. And he can say that because he is in Christ. All right. So when you sin, if you know Christ, it's because you have stepped into the flesh, you have decided to be willful, and you have decided to be good. It's over. You're you're gonna even that thought was in sin. I have no ability to do good except for the spirit of God that liveth in me.
For I know, verse 18 in Romans 7, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. What did I talk to you about? About your will? For to will is present with me. You can say, I'll be good. You can do that. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. So when he decided to be good, he was evil because of it. And he worked evil. And, and he didn't know why until God gave him this kind of revelation. For the good that I would, I don't do. But the evil that I wouldn't do, I do. Now, if I do that which I wouldn't, it is no more I that do it. You may think Paul is schizophrenic here. But my friend, you have a life in Christ if you have received him. You have a life in the flesh. If you pay attention to the spirit, which is Christ, you will walk apart from sin. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to decide about it. You will do it. But if you just, if you take a look at the law and you decide those things that are good and those things that are bad, and you try to do them, you guarantee that you will be in sin right away. Even that thought is sinful. For the good that I would not, that I do, but the evil I would not, that uh, pardon me, the good that I would do, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do what or that which I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin dwelleth in me. You believers, when you sin, it is not the Spirit of God. You are walking apart from faith. You were crucified in Christ if you truly are born again. Therefore, you rely upon that life. But if you rely upon the flesh, and this is the question, this is why you have 60, 70, 80, 90 years of life Paul is going to see whether or not you will, or pardon me, God's going to see whether or not you believe God. But mm -hmm. if you believe God, you will believe that Jesus Christ is your life. And you will live your life in Jesus Christ. Now, if I were... If I do that which I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. 
Then he makes a statement. I find then a law. Now, this is this is not part of the Ten Commandments. This is something that always happens. In other words, it's like the law of gravity. If I if I throw this little bit, you know, of plastic down, it always ends up at the lowest level. And that's that is called law of gravity. Has nothing to do, does it, with the Ten Commandments. But like that illustration, you will find that as long as you try to keep the law, then when you would do good, evil is present with you. But when you're in Christ, your body is under the law of Christ. It's under the law of the cross, where if Christ lives, the law will have nothing to do with your life. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. In other words, I look at the law, my friend. I look at the law, I say, it's wonderful. But it's not for me to live by. Jesus Christ is what God gave me to live by. It has nothing to do with the law has to do with who he is. Who are you in Jesus Christ? Are you a new creature, which the scripture says you are? In Christ, you are a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. Or Paul, when he, in Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It's, it's, it's uh, somewhat of a mystery, isn't it? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me and the life that I now live while I have this mortal body, the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in God who loved me and gave himself for me. For I delight, verse 22, in the law of God after the inward man. That means a regenerate man. Who is the man that God's going to give you, which is the life of Christ. 
But I see another law in my members. You all see this warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. It's just the same as saying the law of sin that exists in my flesh while I have this body. Remember, this body is going to die soon. And it's not, God is not going to remake you in the form that you are. But he is going to make you with a body just like Christ. And the laws and death will have nothing to do with it. And we're going to talk about that next time. The law of the spirit of life and laws and death, which are two things that always happen. Verse 24, Paul says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? That's what a man would cry out if he's in this situation where he's trying to do good, but he can't. And he asks, who is going to deliver me? He answers the question. I thank God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, with the mind, I serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of sin. And so there's two laws that we see here. We see the law of sin, death, and we see the law that comes by the Spirit of Christ in us. Now, surely. I've raised some questions. Does anybody have a question? Does Paul think that he's two people? Uh, is Paul schizophrenic? Uh, does Paul know something about you that maybe heretofore you haven't known? And that is that sin as long as you've got this mortal body, it's in there. And anything that you do that's based on you, your will, try to do that which is good, will not be acceptable unto God, but will in itself be sin. All the people be clear. All the people that you've gone to church with who hold up the Ten Commandments as uh, the way of life, do you know that the very fact that they trust in that law of sin and death that they will be lost? There is one way to be saved. That is to put all of your trust in Jesus Christ. And that is why God gave you and I his spirit. 
because that is the spirit of Christ. And we don't have to think about it. We, if we continue in the way, what's that mean? That means your life is given to Christ. It means your whole life has been set before him. And you say to him, here I am, Lord, and I have nothing to do with my life anymore. It is you I give my life to. You say, oh, I don't understand that. Don't I get to live? No, you don't get to live. Christ gets to live through you and in you. And he made it very clear, for example, in Romans 12, 1, he said, I beseech you, this Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Lord, you gave me this body, but let it totally be a sacrifice to you i'm yours and it says present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable to god which is a reasonable service and be not conformed to this world god is not looking for religious people to bring into heaven God is looking for people that have the spirit of Christ and are like him. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by how? The renewing of your mind. I don't think like I used to. I used to think about being good. When there was a temptation, I used to think, I won't do that. I won't do that. I won't do that. But you know what? Eventually, I ended up doing that. You got to have a renewed mind about this. That's why I'm preaching. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12, 2. That you may prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. My friends, you got saved, if you got saved, because you trusted in the work of Jesus Christ. That work not only caused your sins to be forgiven, but that work meant you got God's spirit. And then you are to say to God, my life is yours. Your spirit has this life. The scripture says, for you are dead, and your life is hidden with God in Christ. Colossians 3, look it up. I know that for some, 
this may sound like double talk. If it is, then God speaks it. Because God has told us, I don't know how, how more clearly he could be till I get for Romans 8. Mm -hmm. That we are called to live by his spirit. And we are not called to make decisions about what is right or wrong. Mm -hmm. I know that goes against the grain. But pardon me, my friend, the grain is what's in your flesh. I choose against it. I choose Jesus. It's he, when he died, he made a way that I might be saved, not only from sins, but he died. I teach you this out of scripture, if you will. Hang with me. He died so that I would be not under sins, free from judgment, but that I wouldn't be under the dominion of sin or the law anymore. If you don't believe this, let me tell you the consequences. You will be lost. Paul speaks very clearly about that. I'll just give you a, a smidgen of what he says. Here's what he says. I marvel. This is in Galatians 1 6. He says, I marvel that you are soon moved from him that called you to the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Well, the other gospel is that you've got to keep the law. That's the other gospel. And if you live by that gospel, you will die. Paul says, when he says, verse 6, I marvel that you are soon removed from him into the grace, un, into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, that's verse 7, which is not another but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. I, I'm sorry, I've got to say this. 90% of the preaching that goes on in our churches today take us to another gospel. They have to do with what you will do. They have to do with you being good. They have to do with you deciding that you won't sin anymore. Paul calls that another gospel, a perverted gospel, which is see, verse 7 in Galatians chapter 1. He says, which is not another, but there be some that would trouble you, and that is likely the preacher that you have today. I don't make any apologies for saying that. 
There are some preachers that preach the truth. But the majority tickle your ears and tell you what you want to hear. Because I want to hear that I can do better. And you can't do better. Which is not another, but there would be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be damned or cursed. He says it twice for emphasis, verse 9. As we said before, so I say again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have received, let him be damned. You think this is just Thursday night with Dave and take it or leave it. I tell you these these words will reign true in eternity for all the preachers that have preached a perverted gospel. May God bless you, everyone. Father, I can only pray. Lord, I've seen so many turn away and I've seen so many deceived. And I've seen so many who wanted to make themselves good. And I have seen so many that want to take part in the salvation that is only delivered through Jesus Christ. And they all be lost. I pray, Lord, that these people will receive your truth. And, and I pray that they would look in the word and find that this is not true only in Romans 7 or in Romans 8 or 9 or in Galatians 1 or Galatians 3 or Colossians 2 or 1 Timothy 1 or 2 or Revelation or any other book in Scripture. Father, that they would look and study and see if this is not true. We trust in you, and we trust in nothing else. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Do you hear what that said? That's a song. Jesus' blood, yes, saved me from my sin, sins. But also... His righteousness. Remember that verse in Romans 6? It says, but the righteousness of God, unless you have it, you are lost. So, Lord, I pray that these people would see that your salvation is great. Your salvation requires not their help except they believe, but they can't go one step beyond it. It is Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for salvation, Jesus. For I pray in Jesus' name, amen.